You're listening to TopCast, this old pinball's online radio. For more information, visit them anytime, www.marvin3m.com slash TopCast. Tonight on TopCast, I'd like to welcome an artist that worked for a number of coin-operated video and pinball game companies, but is best known for his work at Capcom for the game's break shot, Big Bang Bar, and Kingpin. This gentleman is an excellent artist. He draws women very well, if you know what I mean, and has a very colorful history in the coin-op biz. Special guests. Special guests. Special guests. Special guests. So tonight I'd like to welcome Stan Fukuoka to TopCast. He's going to talk about his experiences at Capcom and his art experiences for some other coin-op companies. We're going to get Stan on the line. Hey, Stan, it's Clay. Can you hear me okay? Hi, Clay, yeah. You were obviously an artist by trade. How did you, know, how did you get involved with art, and where did you go to school, and, uh, and how did you end up in the coin-op biz? I think I got my art ability from um, my father's side, although he didn't uh, do art for a living. Um, I went to school at the Kubert School of Graphic Arts in Dover, New Jersey, um, and my first professional job here was at uh, a small company called Diamond Toy Makers. They, they're a small company in Niles, Illinois. They basically did knockoff toys where, you know, they would search for the hot toy trend and then we would, you know, do a knockoff version of it, the generic version of it, and uh, hope to, you know, Ride the coattails of that. Um, I was there a few years, and then they closed the toy department down. I think they're still just operational, doing portfolios, that kind of thing. From there, I went to um, Sioni Artworks. They're a small. They were a small animation studio in downtown Chicago, mainly doing commercials and short educational films, that kind of thing. no experience in animation. I was doing um, character designs and backgrounds, that kind of thing. Um, let's see. Um, I was there for a few years, and I just saw an ad in the paper. Um, you know, kind of like one of these. You know, if you like to draw, we want to talk to you, that kind of thing. Um, I wasn't looking to change jobs, but uh, I. I I, I was interested with about the ad, so uh, I arranged an interview. And when I walked in there, all I saw was uh, rooms and rooms filled with computers. Having never sat in front of a computer, I thought this was going to be a big waste of time. I told him that, um, but he was insistent that um, they're looking for artists. They, you know, they felt they could train an artist to use a computer easier than they could train a tech person to be an artist. 
So we sat and talked for a while and seemed to like my stuff, but uh, I was very apprehensive about that whole deal. So um, I passed on it. What, what was the company that that was interviewing? Did they ever say? Well, yeah, no. I, I, they were a company called Sunsoft. Well, actually, they called back about a, a month later and asked if I would be willing to come in and talk to them again. And I did, and I figured, well, they knew I had no, I had zero experience, and uh, I, in the back of my mind, I thought, well, this was, this would be a great um, learning experience, you know, kind of a learning on the job, you know, a huge learning curve <laughs> built in. So, uh, so I took it, um, but I was only there for. Clearly less than two years, maybe maybe even a year, um, and they went under. I I didn't have a I didn't have a track record of folding companies. But uh. <laughs> well, now when when you say you had no computer experience, I mean, what medium did you like to work in? I was just traditional artist, you know, uh, you know, pen and ink, pencil, markers, paint, airbrush, that kind of thing. So you were good with the airbrush, huh? Uh, well, I, I take that back. Uh, airbrush came much later. Um, but yeah, I was, and I, I did very little uh, finished art. I did some finished art at Diamond Time. I did um, packaging, but uh, everything that I've done mainly was conceptual and you know, kind of uh, behind the scenes kind of stuff. So, like I said, I was there at um, Sunsoft for less than a year. And then uh, when they folded, um, some headhunters uh, from Incredible Technologies, which was another uh, game company further north in the northern suburbs, they came by and they were kind of scouting to see if they, you know, if we, there was anyone there that they'd be willing to take on. And, and so I, I I joined them and was there for a couple of years. But while I was there, I was also doing um, freelance work, in-house freelance on weekends at uh, another animation studio, Star Tunes. It was a studio run by John McClanahan, um, who I met at Sioni Artworks. He left Sioni Artworks um, to start his own studio, and uh, he had he actually uh, obtained a contract with Warner Brothers to do um, some TV animation, you know, Tiny Toons and Tasmania and all that. And yeah. I thought, wow, that'd be kind of cool. I, I grew up loving Looney Tunes, so um, so you know, he let me you know come in on weekends. And I was doing uh, character and background layouts, and I was like, "Wow, this is—it's kind of funny." The timing was weird in that I really wanted to join them full time, but I felt some obligation to Incredible Technologies. But as it turns out, I got laid off by Incredible Technologies. Me and um, well, basically half their staff 
So, so okay, well, I guess it was meant to be, so then I, right. I went to Star Tunes. Uh, again, only there for a couple of years, basically until the contract expired with Warner Brothers. They, they were contracted to do 30 shows or something like that. So it ranged from Tiny Toons to Animaniacs, Tasmania. And it was it was a great experience, and I was working with a great bunch of guys and uh, and girls. And um, now, was that type of animation? Was that traditional animation, like you were drawing on 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 cells, or were you doing computer work then? No, I the, no, I wasn't. We, this was a a traditional animation house. Um, I don't think computers had entered TV animation at this point yet. Um, what year was this? This was. Yeah, I'm ready for you because I actually print out my resume. Um, from 89 to 91. Basically, we were the only studio in the States working for Warner Brothers. Usually, the storyboards <clears throat> were done in L.A. and they would be sent out to, you know, uh, Japan or China, Hong Kong, India. Yeah. Because it was a lot cheaper to work to do it there. <clears throat> But somehow John was able to get this contract to do these shows here, and um, when that when that ended, um, a lot of the guys went west to uh, you know find jobs in animation, and then actually I was I was one of them that went out there too and uh, looking around to, to different studios and. Um, I didn't really find anything that uh, I was sold on, but I think I was sold on the prospect of to have him move out there. If I want to stay in animation, then that's where this, the industry is. So, um, so I came back, uh, came back home, you know, packed up everything, and um, um, I remember w- one morning, very early, a friend of mine in San Diego called me. And he said, "Turn on CNN," and and that's when the that's the, there. I'm watching the this big earthquake hit the Pasadena area, which is the center of the animation industry. So, needless <laughs> to say, I wasn't moving out to L.A. at that time. So, a friend of mine who was who worked with me at uh, Incredible Technologies, who was also laid off when I was, she got a job at. Uh, at uh, Sega of America, they had a they opened up a, a small uh, developmental studio again in another suburbs. And she knew I was planning to, to move out to California. She helped me pack actually, but uh, said, "You're obviously not leaving for a few months at least. So why don't you come here?" So I did, which kind of got me back into computers. But not really. I was basically um, um, just using the computer for emails and solitary. So when you were doing work for Incredible Technologies, was was your artwork there? Was that computer-based or traditional drawn? Right. Um, but um, I think we were using Amigas at the time, which is a system that no longer exists. Right. It was very uh, user-friendly. 
it had to be if I was able to use it. Uh, but um, yeah, these were all arcade games. Um, Is this like the Ninja Clowns and the Arlington Horse Racing and American Gladiator games? Yes. Yeah. Wow. See. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know what? Why don't you uh, tell me what you know, and I could just verify that information. Well, I I don't know a lot. I just I just know that you uh, while you were with Incredible Technologies, there was Ninja Clowns, Arlington Horse Racing, American Gladiators, Hot Shot Tennis, um, and some bowling redemption game and some hockey game. But I, that's all I know. Yeah, the bowling thing was actually kind of fun. It was um, I I never saw it, but the the job was we were doing the screens for. When you're actually in the bowling alley, the overhead monitors, you know, uh, would display, you know, graphics animations. So that's what we were doing for that. Uh, so you weren't doing any of the actual artwork for like the side of the games. You were doing all the stuff that was actually on the on the video screen. I wasn't the only one there, but yeah. Well, I did do uh, graphic cabinet graphics for. Um, the Arlington Racing and Ninja Clowns, I believe. Hmm. And were these ga- were these games? Uh, did they were they good sellers for Incredible Technologies? Well, <laughs> they they laid off half their staff, so I'm assuming not. <laughs> they didn't really take off until obviously their golf game, you know, and so and that was after me. So. So then you, so somehow you got hooked up with the, with the Sega team, right? Right. Um, again, um, uh, all through Headhunters, um, um, well, no, Sega, I'm sorry, was, that was Sir Denise. And I was there for, I want to say, less than a year. Um, the problem with Sega at the time was that, um, they had like five different platforms so they were basically competing against themselves so if you weren't on the platform that was going to eventually win out then you know you were out so and that was the situation with us so um, yeah but didn't you do like Sega Aftershock that was kind of a big game right no I um, no I don't know where you heard that from um, oh hang on a second with that, I was just doing uh, storyboards and conceptual and character designs, that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't think that game was ever developed there. It might have been developed after the fact. I never actually knew that that game was developed. So Okay. Um, hmm. So now, how did... Um, uh, you know, you said you were at Sega only about a year? Right. So then when they closed shop... Sega of America out in um, San Francisco, they actually sent out some some people here to interview to see um, who they thought would be they would be interested in going out there to one of their studios out in California. They had like three or four. So a few of us got invites, so uh, but at the same time, I also got in contact with a headhunter, and so in addition to uh, interviewing with all these uh, Sega studios out in California, 
this hunter was also sending me while I was out there to other studios in California and Vegas. And um, it was pretty exciting just to go out there and, and see what was out there and um, through that whole process. and Because uh, you always kind of want to see where you think you stand amongst, you know, everybody else out there. So that was, that was, that was interesting. But, um, I remember I was out in Diamond Bar interviewing with Sega and I went back to my hotel and I called my, uh, headhunter and, uh, he said, well, if you don't find anything interesting out there, there's actually an opening in Arlington Heights. And I said, uh, Arlington Heights, Illinois? <laughs> he goes, yeah. He goes, wait a minute, I'm out in California and you say there's an opening in Arlington, you know, well that turned out to be Capcom, so, um. But at the time you were, you were still living in Illinois, right? I was still living in Illinois, right, yeah. So this was just a little all too convenient. Yeah, it's, it was kind of weird. I, I seem, you know, it's kind of funny when I look back at my, my history, I really didn't have any direction. I just kind of like a leaf in the wind, but uh, it just seemed that uh, every stop I made was important to where I've gotten out because I was able to learn how to use a computer. And, and at Capcom, you know, that was where I learned how to use the airbrush. And there was a great airbrush guy, that Hugh Van Zanten. Um, so I would do just kind of like... And actually, when I started there, I wasn't actually hired for the pinball. I, I was insistent that uh, I stay in the in the video side because here I am with all this, you know, rudimentary you know, skills and computers, and I didn't want to give that up. So, um, hmm. so I was on the video side, which was basically just two artists and a programmer. And everyone else was on pinball. <laughs> right. Um, well, yeah. now, now, when you, um, who did you interview with when you went to Capcom? Um, I don't think I interviewed with one person specifically. I, would, I just remember being in a room with like six or seven people. Um, Python was there. Uh, Mark Ritchie was there. Um, but I obviously didn't know who they were. Um, it seemed like most of the questions were coming from um, who I later found out to be um, more of the sales and marketing people. So um, interesting. Now, when they when you would when you showed up at Capcom, you know you you brought your obviously you must have brought your portfolio with you, or they had seen your portfolio. What type of stuff did you present to them? To get to you know to get that gig. Well, a lot of that Sega stuff. Like I said, you know, ninety ninety percent of my stuff was all conceptual stuff. So you know, storyboards, character designs, that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of marker stuff. So um, didn't have any except for the few package designs I did for Diamond. I didn't have any finished artwork, but I didn't feel that I needed it if I was going to be doing. What, what I thought was I was going to be doing was, you know, more of the same, you know, design work for their video games. So, hmm. 
I guess I had enough to show. So what, what was the first uh, project you were working on? I assume it was a video project, right? Yeah, well, well, the first and only, and the project never actually got very far. Um, for whatever reason, I wasn't quite sure of the, the political dynamics there, but um, it was um, it was a science fiction kind of a shoot 'em up game. That the programmer there, the Japanese guy, didn't speak much English, um, and apparently he made his name doing shooting games so that's what we were doing um so basically i was doing all the design work and uh, uh a woman there eiko mori she was the 3d uh computer person and she was incredible i would every day i would you know hand her like you know five or six drawings for her to render up and you know the next day she'd knock on my door waiting for more so um so that was a that was a pretty good cycle we had going on there. But then I got approached by um, Greg Kamek and Rob Morrison actually uh, asking because um, there was only one game going on, and then the other designers were in development, so they were they wanted to know if I have any interest in helping them develop their game and. I said, sure, what, why not? Uh, actually, I was working on Rob's game first when uh, I got pulled because Greg's game got uh, greenlit because it was a, a game that... They, uh, the first game in a line that they thought they were going to pursue this, you know, low-cost, you know, simple retro games. You're talking about what ultimately became Breakshot, right? Right. Now, Breakshot, though, didn't start out as Breakshot. You had some sort of a other conceptual design for that, right? Well, originally it was Python's design, uh, Cloud9. I don't know if he came up with a name, but um, the, the, the Python's concept was, you know, the Greek gods playing pool with the planet kind of thing. So um, I thought it was interesting... Um, my heart, you know, I was still deeply involved in, with the video thing, but um, there weren't any other artists available. He was, I, I'm not sure what game he was working on. I think he was working on Airborne at the time. So they needed they needed some uh, artwork for this game, just, I thought, mainly just as placeholders. So uh, I, spent a lot, I spent a lot of time on... Um, on Cloud Nine, um, and you know, every week or every you know, two weeks, whenever there were meetings, you know, everyone would come by, including Mike Stroll and Mark Rich and all the guys, you know, just to get a review of the progress of the game. And they all saw the artwork, and you know, okay, it's a go, everything's a go, everything's a go. And um, finally, they had the the what 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 we thought, everyone thought, was the final uh, pre-meeting before, you know, everything was greenlit to go into full production. And um, I remember, you know, I had this really small office, and um, it seemed like half the company was crammed in there looking at the artwork. And um, I don't know, it seemed to be going fine when, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I don't remember names because I, I want to remember this guy's name. He was a salesman. He was in the back of the room and he just kind of yells out, uh, what are truck drivers in Alabama going to know about Greek gods? And I kind of looked at him like, wait a minute. We've been working on this, on this theme for months and and only now is someone coming up with something like that. I mean, I thought um, I would have I would have assumed they did all their market research and you know and all that. And but that put a you know the brakes on the whole the whole thing. And I was like, all of a sudden that grew legs. And okay, what do we do now? So I remember a few of us uh, kind of brainstormed. In the conference room after work, and it was kind of like, I don't know who said, you know, let's, let's just do, um, you know, a, a pool, a pool, you know, a straight pool game in a bar, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, you know. So, so you had to change everything then. You're the whole, I mean, all the artwork immediately changed. Yeah, yeah. And so the, and that artwork was, from working on, you know, Cloud Nine for, I might be exaggerating, it seemed like months, maybe it was, it was at least a good month to, to getting brake shot out and the artwork done in, you know, in, in a week. We're gonna take a little break with our interview with Stan Fukuoka, and we'll be right back after this message. This portion of TopCast is brought to you by Pin Game Journal, covering the world of pinball. Visit them online at www.pingamejournal.com. Deep in the forests of eastern Canada, you will find something, well, groundbreaking. And something that's very, very pinball, but something that's really, really small? Presenting classic playfield reproductions. Two guys in their basements. We've got the passion, we've got the gear, and we've got the quality. Doing our very best to remake classic and more modern pinball replacement parts. Classic playfield reproductions. Playfields. Backglasses. Plastic sets. On the web at classicplayfields.com. All right, we're back with Stan Fukuoka and uh, his uh, coin-op experiences with Capcom and other companies. Now, what about the Dot Matrix animations? Did you have any involvement with any of that artwork? I didn't have any. I didn't do any of the actual work. No, they they had they had two or three people dedicated to Dot Matrix. Um, I would give. Um, my advice on a few things, but um, no, I didn't. I didn't have any physical involvement with that. Now, were you? Were you pretty? I mean, you know, you made this transition from video to pinball. Were you a video game or a pinball player, either or, at the time? Well, um, I enjoy playing pinball. I'm terrible at it, but uh, I enjoyed it and. Uh, for video games, um, I enjoyed going to arcades playing video games. Um, again, I enjoyed it w- more by watching others play just to see what the higher levels look like because I would never get there. Um, 
But yeah, no, to say that I'm, I'm, I'm not a gamer at all. So. Hmm. Now, when, um, the, the one thing that you're, you know, you, you did three, the artwork for three games in Capcom with the, the break shot, uh, Big Bang Bar and, and Kingpin. And the one thing that really stands out in all this is, is your, your drawing of the women. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's some of the, the best female drawings of any artist of the era. Um, I mean, how did you get so good at that? Well, I, I, thank you for the compliment. Um, actually, um, prior to working there, I really hadn't drawn that many women. And it was kind of like, it was something in the back of my head, like, I'm going to make a concerted effort to get women in this game. And I figured the industry that I'm in with, you know, games and, and bars primarily that that I thought would be a good start point. So it all kind of like fell into place for me. And plus the fact that there were a lot of women there, you know, in the sales department and, you know, and all that. Um, and uh, I don't know who I asked first. I think I might have asked Elizabeth Stroll. Um, she was in the creative department. Um, if she wouldn't mind modeling, and when she said sure, it was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I can ask some, you know, some more, you know. And, and it was kind of weird. Everyone I asked was very enthusiastic about modeling, so uh, it was just it was all there. So, so you mean you had you had no shortage of of potential volunteers to use as subjects for your artwork right right and were they and when you say that they had that model i mean did they did they have to just did you take like polaroids of them and draw from that or did they actually have to pose for you well no i i wouldn't want them to actually pose for it because you know this was all done during the work day and they had work to do too so actually pose would be too long so yeah a lot of it was uh through polarized actually um the the model for the tube dancer in big bang bar was karen tobin and I, actually we shot videotape she got up on a table and was you know i i tried to you know describe the scenario for her that she's you know dancing in liquid and this and that so but yes, on all the girls, you know, they brought clothes in, and they were all they were all into it, which was great. Huh. And, and none of these none of these uh, none of these women were actually professional models either, right? No, no. Now, what about um, did some of the did some of your other male coworkers also end up in the games too? Yeah, for um, well, for. Break shot, um, Paul Mazar, he was the production guy. He was one of the guys in the background. And, um, he Van Zetten, the other graphic artist, he was the, uh, machine gunner in the foreground on, on uh, Kingpin. Well, it's kind of interesting how you had kind of worked everybody in, into the, into it. So now, at this time, when you were doing the art for Capcom, how much of it was computer and how much was traditional art? Well, for pinball, it was all traditional. 
and you were pretty comfortable, obviously, with that format, but there, was that blowing your, your dream of kind of getting the computer angle into it? Well, when I realized um, that the video game, at least from my end, wasn't going anywhere, um, it just seemed like we weren't getting past a certain point. Again, I, you know, I wasn't privy to all the politics and everything going on. There, there must have been something going on because there was nothing going on on the video end. And so when I gravitated toward the pinball thing and I, and I was spending more and more time with the pinball end, um, it didn't seem to matter. Um, so I just took it as well. Okay, pinball seems to be, you know, needs me more and. And if, you know, video needed me, you know, they'd knock on my door, but I never got to knock, so. Now, how was your uh, working relationship with Python? Python, I, Python was great. Um, I really enjoyed um, my work experience with him. We never really um, worked together on anything. You know, like I said, it was his concept for Cloud9. But beyond that... Um, I didn't really have any, you know, day-to-day, day-to-day working contact with him. But no, I I enjoyed being with being with him a lot. Python got on one of the stickers, but his name wasn't Python. Right, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I, I managed to get him in in a couple areas, and actually, he was um, kind of prominent in one of the early. Um, Early studies for the translate, but that uh, didn't go beyond the pencil stage. But uh, no, I thought I thought just his character and personality was was perfect for the game. So, I, and since it appeared to me that he was known in the industry, uh, I thought it'd, you know it would be a kick to get him in there. No, um. What do you think of the Gene Cunningham angle where he redid the Big Bang Bars, you know, and, and brought that game, you know, essentially to production? What is what is your opinion of that? Well, I really don't have an opinion other than that I'm glad that that game did finally see a full production run. Um, uh, I, 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 I've always wondered um, if this game ever, you know, if it did get a production run at Capcom, we actually be talking now. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it would have taken on the life that it has. You know, if it, you know, if it did get that production run, because you know, it was shrouded in, in mystery and you know the hearsay and and the rumors and rumblings. So who knows? Well, the latest rumors and rumblings is uh, and now Kingpin, which of course is a, a game that that you also did work on. How far did you get along in the artwork for Kingpin? Kingpin was done. I mean, yeah, you know, it did see a, a you know, um, a test run of, it was shorter than Big Bang Bar. A couple of, I mean, I'm not, you guys probably know the numbers more than I do, but, uh, yeah, it did make it to final production um, for test games. So as far as you were concerned, the artwork was finished? Yeah, yeah. 
Now, Gene is considering remaking that, too. Is that, you know, would you be glad to see that game come up, too? Well, sure. You know, I mean, um, I don't know if, if it has the same panache as Big Bang Bar. Um, I like the art package. I don't, I don't know as much. Uh, I haven't given it that much thought. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, if people want it, if people want it, uh, and if he can do it, that's great. Now, has Gene contacted you, you guys, about you know any of any additional work needed for either of these two games? Well, we have talked, but it, it hasn't gone much beyond the talking stages. Right? Is it is um, you know, was he actually talking about hiring you guys for some work? Hiring? No. He was just more interested in just your kind of your 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 words, your opinions. Um. Well. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it never got much beyond talking. He didn't need me for Big Bang Bar. And again, I haven't seen it, but from what I hear from everybody, it turned out great. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I think it turned out unbelievable. I think he, he did a, he did a great job. He, he pulled out all the stops, you know, to make that happen. You know, so. Well, now, when, um, you know, when you tell me about the final days of Capcom and how that whole thing kind of imploded. Tell me about that. The Capcom actually lasted almost a year. It was every day. You know, you're seeing potential buyers walk through this, the you know the studio. You're you're hearing the rumors. You're you know we're having company meetings about you know everything is still <laughs> everything is still status quo. You know. Whenever you get a meeting about everything is still status quo, obviously things aren't quite status quo. So, um, yeah, for the for the last year there, everyone I'm I'm sure was on pins and needles. Right, right. So what I mean, how did how did they finally give you the notice that you know they were they were done? Um. Again, other people's recollections might be different than mine, but I'm thinking it happened in waves. Because um, uh, I remember talking to Hugh a few years back, and he he reminded me that he was let go before me. I'm assuming because his game was up was done before mine. But uh, yeah, it happened in waves. So. In. When you were you, I mean, were you okay with this, or were you kind of, you know, were you bitter, or were you just like, oh no? Bitter, obviously, you know, from the history of my career that I've outlaid to you, you know, I've yeah, I ran into this quite a few times. So um, obviously, you know, you you're never prepared for, you're never prepared for it, but um, you know, the writing was on the wall, really, I guess. It was just a shame because it was a great bunch of people there, and um, the creative energy was really high, and um, it was just—it was fun to go to work. I was—I would actually go there on weekends a lot because uh, the Big Bang Bar timeline was pretty tight. I was still doing a little video at the time, so my my time during the working week was a little divided, but. Uh, I didn't want to get behind. I didn't want to let anyone down. So, uh, you know, coming on a lot of weekends to to catch up on that. So, yeah, I, and everyone put in a lot, a lot of hours. You know, it was 
was just, you know, projects that, you know, people enjoyed working on. So that's, that's rare. So, um, you know, it's a shame that, um, things happened the way they did. Did you, in your artwork on, you know, for Capcom or, or any of your artwork, did you ever bury anything in it that was, you know, maybe had some personal connection or had like a, a subplot or a sub story or something, you know, that was like, below the surface that, you know, you were kind of almost obscuring in the artwork? Other than, uh, you know, trying to get Python in there, um, uh, you know, and, well, for Kingpin, I wanted, I, w I went to one of the uh, Japanese sales ladies there and, and asked her to write out my name in Japanese. I thought that would be kind of cute. Uh, Mark Rich didn't like that idea, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, you know, what, what's the big deal? But, and I also got all their, all the guys' names in the translate for Kingpin. I think a lot of it got obscured by the logo, but, um, um and actually on the, the side cabinet, um, I actually had, um, the graphic is of a speeding car with, um, with, and the driver was originally Mike Stroll, and I had Richie in the back seat, and, um, I'm, I'm forgetting names, but they were, all, the whole team was either in that car, or Tony Lafayette was one of the programmers, he was in the front, front cabinet by the coin drop, uh, but, um, Mike Stroll saw that, and, and, and he, I, I'm, I'm assuming he knew that uh, he was going to get let go, so he wanted his picture off it. He probably would have wanted it off it if, even if he was staying. I don't know. But uh, so, so did you end up taking him out? Yeah, yeah. And do you still have the original artwork with uh, with him in it? Yeah, it never got beyond type pencils, but yeah, I have that. Now, um, you, you talked about Hugh and how he was a great airbrush artist, and you said that you, you picked up that, that talent at Capcom, too? Right, right. So when you're doing airbrushing, I mean, I mean how does that, I mean, how does that work compared to, you know, your, your you know, basically your pencil or, or ink designs? Well, it's a lot more time consuming. <laughs> I'm, you know, to say that I'm an airbrush artist, would probably be an insult to other airbrush artists, but I learned enough just by watching him, just to, you know, to, to like the cliff note version of it, just to, you know, the, the shortcuts and, and, but, uh, yeah, it, it took a long time, mainly, mainly to break down the brushes every time, you know, I'm doing, a, going through a color change, so, uh, yeah, in that regard, so it's a lot more time consuming. That's probably why, I had to come in on weekends too, just to catch up because it was taking me long and then, like you would take. So, so what were they just using it? You know, you basically do a pencil drawing and they use the airbrush just to basically color it in. Well, from 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 my airbrush work, I would actually paint first traditionally, and then use the airbrush to soften it. You know, soften edges, you know, gradate the. Transitions, that kind of stuff. So, just, I wouldn't call what I did airbrushing 
an airbrush painting. It was a painting using some airbrushing. So, and were were those like a, a like water based acrylic inks type thing? Acrylics, right. I, I want to become an airbrush artist. <laughs> well, I only used I only used that because that's what he was using. So, you know, like you know, if I'm if I'm watching him and and seeing how he's working, then I'm gonna. You know, use the same stuff he used. It only makes sense. So. And he would do entire entire artworks using airbrush. It seemed that way, yeah, because um, his frisket cutting was way more involved than mine was. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I think you might have to talk to him about it. But I would say ninety percent of his painting was airbrush. So now, after Capcom, then where did you go to? Well, after Capcom, um, I went to a promotion agency, Seven Marketing. Um, I had some friends there, and um, Seven Marketing was um, one of the two agencies that did uh, design and manufacturing of the heavy meal toys for McDonald's. Um, so yeah, I, I stepped right in there. That was that was. And, and an easy, um, fortuitous situation that I just kind of stepped right to, into that spot. So, um, and I was there for, um, almost six years. So you're, you've, you've never come back full circle and come back into coin op then, huh? No. You know, I, I'd love to, but, um, I don't know, uh, yeah, I, I, the opportunity has presented itself, and and I'm and I'm happy where I'm at now. I'm not at Simon anymore. Um, that kind of that company kind of folded again. Um, <laughs> I need bad luck for companies, but uh, I moved on to another company doing the same thing, the same promotional stuff for McDonald's. Huh. And that's pretty a pretty good lucrative job, huh? I enjoy it there, yes. Well, good. I'm glad you've, you know, you've found success. Pardon? I- I'm glad that you've, you've found, you know, you found something, you know, that, you know, you could do that. I've been very fortunate that, uh, I, I would say for the most part, all my jobs, um, I've had a lot of fun and, and they were all learning experiences. So, um, yeah. Well, is there anything about your Capcom experience that, you know, I left out that, you know, any interesting stories, any, any good experiences? No, no crazy Python stories? No, you know, um, well, they used to always go out, um, you know, several nights a week. I went out a few times with them, but, um, I couldn't hang with those guys, so I quickly dropped out of that circle, but, uh, yeah, no, we didn't spend uh, much social time together. It was just mainly our time together at work. Yeah, they were—they were driving a little too fast in the in the in the right lane or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably me driving a little too slow. So. <laughs> no, you were probably driving normal. <laughs> All right, Stan. Is there anything else you want to add? Wow. Um, no, I, you know, um, I, just to say that I, you know, I, I, I had to say that Capcom was 
the most fun I've had at a job, mainly because that was one of the, you know, the one place where I was able to, you know, finish artwork. Uh, I always thought my career would be, I remember, you know, reading, going over to, you know, the art of Disney and all that, and, you know, you would, I would flip through these pages and see all these beautiful background paintings and, and conceptual artwork, and it would always say, artist unknown. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be my legacy. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You d- you didn't get that. You didn't. Your last name isn't unknown. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I I think the 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 Big Bang Bar really really put you on the map. At least it, it did, as far as I was concerned. You know? Well, you know, I, going to all these expos, you know, it's. It, very flattering and humbling just hearing uh, people come up to me and you know it's kind of weird it's like you know they don't know me but they and they know me through my art and um, and it's very gratifying yeah yeah well I mean you did some you know some great work for for Capcom I mean those those three games were you know outstanding as you know the Big Bang Bar stuff in in particular I mean I really like I mean I I I bought one of the Gene Cunningham ones, so you know maybe I'm, you know, slightly uh, better eye for that game, maybe. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny with you know with the Cunningham games and everything. I remember when I was working at uh, Star Tunes, we would see a lot of the you know the the cells and the layouts that we did it in the studio, you know, being sold at the Warner Brothers store. And so I remember you know we would go there and say you know wow. That's our work, and we can't afford it. <laughs> I said the same way about these pinball games. It's like, you know, so I'm glad somebody's enjoying it. So when you were doing that cell animation, I mean, would you watch the cartoons on Saturday and say, "Yep, yep, yep, there I am"? Yeah, yeah. And it was pretty. It was pretty neat. Um, every every well, we weren't there that many years, but um, every season that we worked on, we always had a show. You know, nominated for an Emmy, so that was that was pretty cool. I, you know, it might be uh, so sorry, but I thought the work that we did really stood out, uh, and through no no effort of mine, uh, we had, we had a lot of great animators there, so I, I thought our stuff was really strong. Well, I mean, Animaniacs. I mean, th- that was a really. I mean, that was quite the animated show at the time yeah yeah that was huge yeah i mean it was like a, a precursor for a lot of stuff that you know that you know it laid the groundwork for a lot of the stuff that's you know currently out now you know yeah. you know kind of that edgy you know that you know kind of that edgy cartoon style right right so yeah that's something to be really proud of how much now how much on animaniacs how much show how much work did you actually do that that actually got broadcasted? Well, I'm I'm there on every show because, like I said, I did the, all the character and background layouts. So they say you know, the storyboards were done in L.A. and then they would be sent to us, and then then I would get it and I would set up every scene for the background artist or you know. I, you know, to say I was a character art layout guy might be stretching it. You know, I put the characters in there, but uh, the animators there were so good that you know they kind of ran ran on their own. So, 
Well, cool. That's uh, that was one thing where I, I was involved in in all of it. So. Well, cool, Stan. Thanks a lot. I really do appreciate your time. Oh, no, I appreciate your your your, your time, Mom. All right, I'd like to thank Stan Fukuoka for coming and talking to us tonight on Topcast. Really do appreciate his time, and I hope to see him work in pinball again uh, because he really is an excellent artist. Thank you again, Stan, and thank you all for coming and listening to Topcast tonight. Mm-hmm.